0: Coaches' Coach's Perspective. I'm your host, Jenny Hopkins, and this show is presented to you by Great Southern Bank. Great Southern Bank is serious about convenience. With nearly 100 banking centers in six states, hundreds of ATMs and mobile and online banking services, you're always in touch with your money. Learn more at greatsouthernbank.com, member FDIC. Other sponsors we're going to talk about throughout the show, and they are handpicked. That's Highland Dairy, Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance, Bill Grant Ford in Bolivar, Story Construction, West Logging, Greg and Melinda Burnett, and Springfield Yard Cards. So before we get to my studio guest tonight, we had last week, we had Springfield Public Schools Director of Athletics, Josh Scott, on. And we are in the middle of this effective leadership series, and we're looking at different leadership models. And we dove into um, Coach K. Uh, we looked at his value-driven leadership model, and we looked at those different things. And Josh Scott did a really good job of breaking it down and how he uses it as an athletic director and this week i wanted to break bring on two more athletic directors or and also former coaches and pick their brain on a model so i'm very excited about that if you want to listen to that show you can go to a dot com also on spotify apple or helium satellite radio so i want to welcome to our effective leaders series um coach mark fisher
1: thanks for having me well, jenny
0: i'm so excited to have you on you are a basketball coach um, obviously, you, you know. also spent did the rounds uh, as a director of athletics at Springfield Public Schools. You were also at um, Drury University, and you've been a mentor to a lot of coaches. It's funny because there's a lot of head coaches right now that went through Fisher Coaching University, that's what a lot of people say. So tell me, first of all, like if I asked you to just define, in general terms, what do you think is an effective leader? What comes to mind?
1: Well, I think being a leader is somebody that, you know, you lead by example. Um, so what, what you do when you get up every morning and, and go to work or go to practice or whatever you're doing, it's you're that example. And because there's always a set of eyes on you. So I think, you know, being true to yourself, uh, hard work, you know, all those things go into, to being a good leader and, um, you know, just lead by example.
0: I think that makes a big difference to be a role model. Um, I think, I think that is not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. Um, that's that's a great point. Let's see if our other guests can top that answer. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Uh, and you all have been longtime friends, have known each other for a long time. From Ozark High School, Director of Athletics, Yancey Little is joining us. And, you know, Coach Little, we had some great knockdown dragouts back um, when we were coaching back in the day. I always had the utmost respect for you, not just for your basketball brain, but how you treated your kids and how you ran your program. Um, and now as an athletic director, I know that your mindset has shifted just a little bit, but you still have that um, that leadership quality that I think is really important. But how would you describe an effective leader?
2: Uh, first of all, thanks for having having us on tonight, Jenny. But, uh, you know, as far as a leader, you know, I always kind of look back to, to myself and, you know, what I feel like maybe has helped me in, in my leadership roles is I'm really, honestly, I, I pay attention. I, I'm i aware of my surroundings, I'm aware of what's going on. Not only you know seeing you know we talk about team or players or coaches or whatever, you know you kind of watch observe what they're doing, and then you listen to what their needs or see what their needs are. And then obviously you find a way to become, you know, lead them and and how you want them you know to perform or to coach or uh, you know any other facet in their life.
0: And it, and it's it's not easy, is it?
2: Oh, absolutely not. I mean, it you know times have changed and the and the things that that go on and the things that you do observe, you know, change and change, you know, through the years. So with that, I think as a good leader, you've also got to be able to evolve yourself and and uh, figure out ways to, again, to help kids or help, you know, teams or help others uh, be successful.
0: And I, and I think this, um, and, you know, I hope this is not a shocking statement to anyone, but leaders don't always have all the answers. Sometimes you've got to process and you've got to navigate through things as well. And and that takes some um, that takes a little bit of, of time and that takes a little bit of effort. Um, but being aware of your surroundings, I like the way that that you are saying that. Um, what, what do you think about his um, definition of, of effective? Yeah, career?
1: I you know Yancey's had an outstanding career. You know, not only in coaching but moving into his athletic uh, ship role. And and you know Ozark is uh, you know it's a great school, but you know. Those size schools, you know, with your duties as an athletic director and activities director, I mean, you've got a lot of um, people that you're supervising and a lot of programs. And, and, you know, what I really enjoyed watching, you know, Yancey coach is he was no nonsense. You knew what you were going to get. He was consistent. And uh, he's going to tell the truth. And um, I think at the end of the day, they may not like what they hear at the time, but they respect it. And, and down the road, uh, you know, they know that's what they, they uh, needed to hear. And I think a, a, a leader, a really good leader, needs to be consistent also. I think that the, the people want someone that, you know, is, has a consistent personality. Um, they're good listeners. And at the end of the day, you've got to be a problem solver. Because when you're an athletic director or a leader, you're going to have a lot of things that end up on your desk that uh, that people want to help. Uh, they want a solution to it. So,
0: you know that is interesting. You know, I had a listener send in a, a a comment about this this leadership series, and one and one of the questions was, I'd like for you to ask your guests. You know, do you think leaders need to have a black and white mentality, or do they have to have that gray to be able to look at all different angles? I know what my answer is on that, but I'm interested to in what you all think.
2: Well. I've, I think you've got to have a foundation. Like these are the, these are the must. I mean, these are the uh, non negotiables or whatever as far as what your set of rules are, or what your moral compass is. And then from that, then I think it becomes gray, if that makes sense. Cause not everything's always black and white. I think we all, you know, get that. And not every uh, situation is treated equal. You know, you can't have, you know, you have different rules for different things and different situations it can't always be just black and white and cut and dry because you again you have to you got to look at all the different uh variables of the situation and and then decide or make a decision from there
0: yeah that's a good point good point what was
2: your what was your thought on that i
0: i I agree i think there's got to be a little bit of gray because of what you know you all were just saying there's a lot of stakeholders involved And so everybody has a different um, idea of a situation and how it should be handled and how it should be turned out. And you owe it to your stakeholders to listen to all of those angles and then be able to try to piece it together. So I I think there is a little bit of gray, but I I love the foundational. These are, this is, um, I use the the term moral compass often. This Mm -hmm. is my moral compass and this is my foundation. But you have to be able to be open to looking at those different angles. And that's not easy sometimes. So what do you think about if, if um, you make a decision after doing all of that um, and it ends up not being the right decision and you got to backtrack a little bit, how do you do that as a leader um, to be able to still have the, the, the cred, <laughs> the street cred, if you will, um, but to be able to go, you know, after looking at this again, I think we need to go a different direction. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's where maybe your coaching background comes into play because you're always, as a coach, you're thinking about, you know, um strategy you're thinking about you know this could go five different ways and so you better be prepared not only in you know if you're in a basketball game and you know somebody's playing a man-to-man well you better have something that you know for a zone or a press break or this and that so i think that helps being an athletic director that you can think on your feet and you're right not every decision you make is going uh, to work out but it's not because you haven't maybe put some thought into it. Uh, but then, you know, at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, you own it. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's out of your control, but you try to do the best you can with the information that you have.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Like I said, sometimes, you know, going back to coaching and, you know, them coming straight, sometimes you got to make decisions that are tough and you make them right there on the spot. You know, you've got a five second, you know, opportunity to make that decision. You can't, you know, form a committee and, and make those decisions every time, you know, in a, in a, in a ball game. So I think, you know, effective leaders do make decisions and, and, uh, but you go back to the credibility part as far as making the wrong decision. I mean, it's sometimes showing humility and showing that you're human. I think that helps in your leadership and I hope that helps in your, you know, credibility because they do see that you're genuine and, and, uh, you know, people make mistakes. And again, when you're coaching, there's lots of mistakes that are made, you know, constantly daily. And you said, that's where you go back to your desk or your, uh, the film and, and and try to fix it
0: gives you a lot of practice <laughs> Yes, it
2: does. well
1: and i think that people give you will give you more respect even if you made a decision and it was not the right decision that's better than not making a decision or waffling on something right. they they want somebody uh to take the lead and um you know Now, if you make the wrong decision enough times, then you would probably be doing something else.
0: (laughs) But, yes, I I agree with you. Well, in this leadership series, I've looked at different models. We started out with Keith Gutten, and we looked at Dr. Tommy Burnett's, one of his models and his ingredients for leadership. Then we had Scott Nasby on, and we talked about Kimberly Fry's leadership model, and it's eight essential qualities that define great leadership. And it is a uh, it's a model that's based on coaching millennials <laughs> to be leaders, which is really interesting. And then last week we talked about you know uh, Coach Wasetsky's uh, value driven leadership, you know where he makes the fist, the five fundamentals, and we talked about some of those different characteristics with Josh Scott. So this week, uh, one of my all time favorite leadership models is um, John Wooten, the Pyramid of Success. A lot of people, you know, I was talking with Logan Weber, our studio producer, before the show, and he's like, I think every single coach that I ever had growing up had this pyramid on their wall.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can't confirm. I mean, as somebody who played football, basketball, baseball, track, it didn't matter. There was, I mean, my dad wasn't even a teacher, but he coached me the entire time I was growing up as a kid. and. We had a John Wooden Pyramid of Success uh, written, you know, it was on the back wall in his office. So, yeah, I, I'm very well versed in it.
0: Well, and it leaves little, it, it doesn't leave very many stones unturned. You know, he talks about a lot of different characteristics. And this is one you can Google and you'll see, you know, uh, you'll see it all over the place. Um, he also has a tremendous TED Talk where he goes through this. And it's it's really, really good. Um, so one of the things that he, you know, he has these different foundations and then they build upon each other. Hence <laughs> a pyramid. Um And so we're going to look at the different rows and we're going to talk about some of those different characteristics. Um, and then I want you all to evaluate it. I mean, yes, John Wooten is one of the greatest coaches ever. Some say the greatest coach ever. Um, the philosophy that I feel like that he had in so, similar to mine and to Coach Fisher and to Coach Little is that you coached people, not just players. And that's a, like, when I look at this, that's what I see. He's coaching people, not just players. You don't see anything in here. You know, you do see a little box on skill, um, but he doesn't talk about, you know, rebounding, screening, you know, driving to the basket. This is this is life stuff. So we're going to dive into that. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we'll dive into this. If you guys think that you're ready to do that, I think you're tough enough to do this. We'll be ready. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you to Great Southern Bank for being our presenting sponsor very grateful to them. And we'll be right back with Mark Fisher and Yancey Little right here on A Coach's Perspective. To a coachs perspective hey, this segment's sponsored by highland dairy they've, oh, they've owned by dairy farmers and they've been providing a great selection of nutritious dairy products since 1938 it's a proven fact scientific studies, professional dietitians they all agree. The ideal sports beverage recovery drink available to athletes after a workout is chocolate milk, and Highland Dairy has the best-tasting chocolate. And they're a proud sponsor of A Coach's Perspective. And, you know, both of both of my guests, you know, are our, our Hall of Fame, you know, coaches, athletic directors. You know, and Coach Fisher, you actually um, helped run the Tournament of Champions, the Blue and Gold. You had so many different things that, that you were a part of in this community. Do you ever remember Highland Dairy not being a part oh, of that? Oh, they've <laughs> always
1: been great. Uh, the folks over there, anything we ever needed, uh, I mean, they didn't. They you find know, a way. they do, and um, they've just been really great supporters of Southwest Missouri athletics.
0: They really have, so we really appreciate them. And um, I can say the same for our presenting sponsor, uh, Great Southern Bank. Seems like they are everywhere when it comes to local sports and supporting the community. Um, all right, we're t- we're talking about the effective leadership series. Yes, we're still in this series, and tonight we are evaluating the model. You know, from one of the greatest coaches ever, John Wooden's um, pyramid of success. And you know, Coach Coach Little, you know, when you're looking at this pyramid, there has to be a foundation. And if um, and if you all are able to, you can follow along. Like I said, you can Google the Wooden's Pyramid of Success, and you will find it. And unless you're driving, then please don't. But look at that base of the pyramid, Coach Little. Tell me what's jumping out at you as, as an important um, characteristic.
2: Well, you know, those saying of you know they don't they really don't care you know what you know. They want to know. You know, what you want to do and what you want to do for those kids, especially as, you know, being a leader or whatever. You know, I look at the base of this, I see some, some terms like friendship and loyalty and cooperation, enthusiasm. I think those are the foundations of being a successful leader. I mean, you've got to, you've got to build that friendship and loyalty to your audience, whoever that is. I mean, if you're a, a CEO or I say go back to a coach or a administrator or a teacher, whatever it is, you've got to demonstrate those characteristics i mean you got to be uh loyal to your you know to your team or your uh fellow employees or your peers or whatever like i said if you can do that i said it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are you've got to be able to relate to your kids or your uh group that you're trying to lead so i think that base right there is 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 spot on because you've got to do that before you can do anything else
0: Right, and having that work ethic along with those characteristics is that foundation because you can't really get anything above that that baseline without it. Um, you know what jumps out at you, Coach Fisher, when you see that that foundational row?
1: Well, again, the loyalty, mm-hmm. and loyalty comes in a lot of different forms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it may be as an assistant coach, uh, loyalty to the head coach. It may be as your players, the loyalty, uh, loyalty to each other. Uh, you know and that is having your back you know whether that's on the floor or on the field being able to whether it's help defense or you know that your teammates they've been in the gym working out and because if you haven't then they really haven't been loyal to the program they haven't been loyal to the team and they really haven't been loyal to their their teammates so i think as coach mentioned if you don't have that foundation then that competitive greatness you're going to win a lot of games but you're not going to win championships. And uh, and I think that's why it's so important to have that foundation and keep building up through the pyramid.
0: Well said, well said. So let, let me ask you this in your, in your position. When you have someone that's disloyal or let's say you have, um, you know, a situation where you've got to show your loyalty to a coach in, in the program, like you have a parent that is like this coach doesn't know what they're doing, you know, whatever they're uh, yipping about. Um, how do you show loyalty to your coach how can you try and and diffuse that situation and still be loyal to your coaches
2: i think it was i mean you know just like there at ozark right now you know of course we have you know numerous coaches of all abilities and i think we've got a you know great coaching staff on on numerous of our programs but i kind of treat them like my players when i go back you know you're not always going to have the best players. I think that's part of you as a coach. You've got to invest in every single one of those players in some capacity, and your job is to help get them from point A to point C or D or whatever that is. And I think that's the same way, you know, as me as an administrator, as, a, as an AD, you know, you've got these coaches that, you know, they might not be the best coach there is. You know, they might need some help here or help there. And I think, again, that's part of being a good leader is not just to, you know, kick them through the curb or whatever, but bring them along. And so I think that's some loyalty there. You know, you're going to be loyal to that coach just like you would that, you know, player number 13 on your basketball team to try to get them to where they need to be. And and just like as a player, you try and you try and try, and eventually you hope it happens, but there's times that that it doesn't happen. And then I think that sometimes, you know, same thing with the coaches, you know, you try and you try and try and you put them in the best possible position to be successful and you try, but – Sometimes it just did not happen, and, of course, as we know, then sometimes you got to go you know, different ways.
0: You can offer them all the water in the world to drink, but they have to drink it, um, and they have to be receptive to that. And then sometimes it just might not be a good fit as well. I think that's important, you know, to acknowledge as well. Um, but I think loyalty is something that, that should be, you know, something that you demonstrate as a leader um, until you can't demonstrate it anymore. But I think that's something that's really important. If you want people's buy-in under your leadership – That's a big way to get
1: it. And it's a two-way street. You need the loyalty, you know, both ways. And, um, you know, if we would have a parent that would come in and and maybe complain about a coach, um, sometimes they're, you know, they have a valid reason. Um, But you still want to to help protect your coaches. Um, But if you know that a coach has done something that he or she maybe shouldn't have and you are trying to stay loyal and protect them, then sometimes you you will maybe uh, run the risk of losing your um, respect from, from the parents. So really, it's, as Yancey said, it's about getting and helping those coaches. That coach may be a great X and O coach, but maybe their sideline um, uh, demeanor maybe needs support or maybe their organizational skills. So it's not that they're... Uh, maybe uh, a bad coach it just means that they need to improve in some areas and that's what athletic directors are are here for is to help uh, support them and get them in a better place
0: and just like athletes um, they may not be a very good rebounder so you got to work with them on their Mm -hmm. rebounding skills or or free throws or whatever the skill may be in that certain sport all right so let's go up to uh, up a row and let's look at the next one Um, and it contains uh, self-control alertness initiative and intentness, and I really, um, what's really sticking out to me is initiative. On that one, um, there's, you know, all of those are very valuable, but initiative of being able to to not wait for something to come to you, but go after it and get it. What do you think about that role, and what sticks out to you?
1: Well, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Um, sometimes when you relate back to a to a team concept is. Sometimes you play not to lose. and I think we've all had teams, and, and sometimes maybe that's, you know that was our fault as a coach um, is, is to be able to instill confidence in our players. And, and some, some just have it built in. Yeah. Um, but I will also say, the better we get, uh, the more initiative that we have, because there's that confidence level. But again, I think we want to teach all of our kids is you know whatever it is is you know be the best defender you can be be the best rebounder you can be or be the best teammate you can be but take initiative and, and you know that may be in pregame you know getting your getting your teammates together and and uh, and getting them focused so it comes in a lot of different forms.
0: I agree as well, um, Coach Little. What is sticking out to you there? That self control, alertness, initiative, and intentness.
2: I think self control is probably sticks out to me the most, but I think you have to have, you know, you got to have emotions, but you also got to control them. You know, um, I think whether you're in a meeting with your team or whatever you're in, you've got to, you know, you've got to show poise, you've got to show control. You can't um, make decisions based on emotions all the time. You know, I've seen that I've seen coaches or administrators do that and, and it's, you know, it's kind of like a roller coaster with them. You know, one thing I'm going to tell you, you know, some coaches that we used to, I used to coach against, I'd always tell my kids, hey, weather the storm because when they're up, they're up, but when they're down, they're down because it was so emotional the way they coached on the sidelines and their and their players played exactly like that. And I always just felt like if you were just kind of pretty even even keel and not really wear your emotions on your sleeve and, and, you know, I think we all go back to certain games that we maybe didn't show, you know, great self-control and you look back at that game, we probably didn't coach as well in that game. You know, you look back at some of your losses and whatnot. I was like, man, I spent more time thinking about this than actually what I need to be doing. So I think self-control is is, is, is important uh, to being successful. So you weren't talking about the <laughs> Hillcrest Hornets? <laughs> uh, absolutely not. Now, I, so I won't minute, say who I, I was you? talking about. <laughs> was no. No, that's what I said. Jenny well, always <laughs> well, did an awesome yeah. job. That's, well, thank you. I, I mean, I'm telling you, that's – and you can always tell. You guys know. You guys coach against, you know, certain uh, – coaches that sometimes you just you just knew that
0: well they'd spend you know too much time focusing on the refs or too much time focusing on you know what what, whatever the case may be no judging because we've all lost our our mind at some point time on the sideline but i think self-control is important um and it took me a while to learn this i mean when i was a young coach that to to realize how much the players feed off of you and how much you know you have got to keep your head or you're giving them a right to lose theirs
2: and even but even in the locker rooms, I mean, you know, halftime or after game, you know, we've all, you know, obviously been irritated about a loss or whatever, but even when you're sitting in front of that team, you know, those young kids and you're uh, self-control and say self-control, it's also not only your actions, what you, your, your body language, your demeanor, but also what you say. You know, if you start, you'll know, make excuses as to why, you know, something happened, why you got beat. I think that creates a victimhood mentality and, and I, I think Amen. that's part of being self control. I, yeah. don't, I don't think that's okay.
0: Speak that, speak it, because I I think also there's a there's a part of where some young coaches separate themselves from the team by saying I don't know what you guys have been doing or I don't know how you don't know how to play defense, when all that does is is separate. You you lose. I think a lot of their buy in uh, when you know you, you got to be on the same page. You know, we we win together, we lose together, and you got to be able to 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 own that as a leader.
1: Yeah, I think if. It, it, you know, as a young coach coming through, I made a lot of mistakes, and and I wish you know you, you learn as you go through. Um, but I think one thing that I w- would have done better is, is self-evaluate, uh, not only our team, but um, your actions as a coach too, uh, because again, um, you're dealing with kids, and what you say at a locker room at the end of you know of a evening, those kids are taking that for the next you know, 14 or 15 hours, and, um, you know, I think you always want to leave the locker room, you know, on a positive note. Uh, But, again, that's easier said than than done after some difficult evenings.
0: Well, and at the end of the day, express that you do care about them, and that's why you might be losing your head. You know, I mean, that way they can can see, like, I get frustrated because I know you're better than this, or, you know, that way you're still in it together.
2: Let me ask you this, you know, we're all, you know, Uh, older now, without a better term, but did you think after you had your own kids it kinda of changed your also your coaching uh I wouldn't say philosophy, but the way you did things and and uh I guess looked at things differently. I know it did for myself, you know. Before you had children, or whatever you was kinda of young and spry and you did everything, you know, like a you know, young, immature I wouldn't even say an adult, but you know, as a coach, but then I think after I had my uh two boys, it kinda of made me just think about the kids differently if,
1: it, you're exactly right uh, trevor probably wishes i'd have learned that a little earlier. i was just gonna say uh, uh, logan
0: we've got trevor <laughs> fisher on the line right now if you would <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> but you're exactly right because you start seeing it through the eyes of a parent and i probably having uh, you know trevor going to missouri state as a walk-on ben going to Drury as a walk-on I got to see the other end of those kids in in a role position. And I I probably, I know I would have done a better job of making sure those kids were included and, you know, felt, you know. Valued. Valued, yeah. So I think looking at that because. When your kids maybe in high school are maybe a focal point, but then when they go to the next level, they're not. You see it through a different lens of how those parents were, were viewing it. And, um, so yeah, I think, you know, in coaching, you know, the junior high, uh, junior, uh kids at Greenwood now has given me, you know, all new perspective on it. And, you know, I've had, you know, well, on, Most that, fun.
0: Yeah, on that note, though, you have a lot of your players, the alumni, they're, that you're coaching their kids now in junior high. And I think that can be a powerful influence as well um, as, as having your own children is hearing from alumni the influence that you had. You might not have known it back then, but after they get into the real world, you'll be able to see – how how you impacted them.
1: It's interesting because they all want me to yell at their kids right. now. <laughs> I don't know if that's a rite of passage or what. Make but, them get a haircut. But, you know, what I found out, there's other ways to, to get through to kids. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, if you've watched the Ted Lasso I guess. show. I I mean, I think all coaches should watch that it uh, because, you know, he has no knowledge of soccer. Right. All he knows is how to treat people and to form a team and it's really powerful yeah
0: that is so true we need to get his leadership model <laughs> here and evaluate that all right we're going to take our final break if we come back we'll continue with mark fisher and yancey little i want to thank highland dairy again for sponsoring this segment along with greg and melinda burnett as they support local and thoughtful radio we'll be right back here on a coach's perspective Evaluating different leadership models, and this week we are evaluating John Wooden's pyramid of success. This segment is sponsored by Bill Grant Ford and Bolivar. They know cars, they know trucks, they know SUVs, and they know how to keep their customers happy and loyal. I've been one of them for over 25 years. Give Kelly Grant and Shane Rainey a call. They will take care of you. 417-326-7671. We also want to thank West Logging for sponsoring this segment. Um, go to Westlogging.com or find Danny West on Facebook. He's going to give you a free consultation and treat your land like his own. And also thank you to Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance. All right, so we're looking at this pyramid of success, and we've talked about the foundational row and the next row up. The third row is about condition, skill, and team spirit. So what jumps out on you? Because all three of those things are really important. And conditioning has to do with not just physical, but it's also mental conditioning as well. Um, and Obviously, skill has to be important. Um, and team spirit, I really like that. I mean it's a form of loyalty, but I think team spirit is is a vital characteristic
2: well, I said, you know you think about the spirit and the spirit of your team, you know kind of turn those around and and uh you know t- going back to what Coach Fisher had mentioned before the break, you know talking about you know with his kids and you know where they came from, you know being obviously starters and and uh you know. Probably very important, you know, players one through five and what their roles were on the team. And then when they go to Drury and, and Missouri State, then that role changed for them. I've always been a, I mean, a firm believer in, and sometimes I've, I was successful with this and sometimes I failed at this, but I always feel like players one through five, and I'm just using basketball as an example, and you could use whatever, never playing soccer, baseball, or whatever you're playing. Players one through five can win you games. I always feel like players six through 10 can win you championships. And what I mean by that is, I very seldom played ten kids. I mean, I, I I didn't. But if those other kids six through ten feel a valued, part of the team and the spirit of the team, I think that's when you know the the sky's the limit for those type of teams. Because again, when that one kid comes off the floor, they're the first ones to stand up and and uh, you know. Give them a high five, or whatever the case might be, and then of course when you go to practice as well, those guys—I mean—they feel a very important part of the team, which they are. I just think that's when—I just think that's when you have a chance to overachieve and do you know great things, and and yeah, uh, that's why I think team spirit kind of jumps out at me.
0: That's the base of the iceberg. I mean, those players are the base of the iceberg. But, you can't have the tip without them keeping you afloat. So I think that is a great point. Well,
1: and I think you're going to have championship teams when you get your kids to buy in. To play for the name on the front of their jerseys instead of the name on their back, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that, that should just, be a
0: song or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so I mean, I I think I like
1: that's, that's a key it. to whatever level you're playing. That's at. so true. It's uh, in the, in the world we're in today where it's about me, me, me. Mm-hmm. It's it's about a coach or about an athletic director getting his coaches. We are those are types, yeah. yeah. and and that and then that goes into your community. And filters into your faculty. I mean, it's um, it just really is very powerful.
0: So let me ask you this: If you have someone that's not bought into that, that has a bad attitude, um, that can can spread um, that negativity, how do you handle that person? I mean, how do you get them to gay, hey, get on board? We're all on this same ship, and and we need you to be a part of it. Everybody's got a role.
2: I mean, something we've tried to do, you know, recently here, you know, at Ozark is is talk about our culture. Um, you know, I think you need to have an an athletic wide or an activity wide culture. You know, what is your culture gonna be for your programs? I think if you have different cultures within, you know, that don't uh row the same way or don't hold the kids to the same standards or have the same beliefs, I think I think you have a fractured program. And I think that's something we've tried to do. We've now we have some uh Mondays we're able to get together as coaches. And have little coaches meetings and we do we sit down and we, we identify some things that hey, what can we all do as a team to be better that we're all doing the same thing and hold our kids the same accountability? I think that's you know as a team as a team of a basketball team or a football team whatever, you do that constantly, you know what we all can do better to hold ourselves to a higher standard or whatnot. So I think that's what we've tried to do. Um and I think we're getting better at that
0: I think that goes about what he what coach Fisher was saying at the very beginning consistency and trying mm-hmm. to build that culture through that consistency and that um and, and having that pride and I think that's really important and
2: eventually you become the minority right. if you know, if that makes sense i mean, if you got nine programs, this is what we do. We get up in the mornings and we go to the weight room and we hold these you know these are are non negotiable these are standards, and if you're one of those two outliers well like i said now now you're the minority and you better get on board or or you're not going to be successful with us
0: i like that what sticks out to you
1: well i think you know when you try to get everybody on the same page hopefully you know you go back into your your coaching days as a coach you're trying to get that individual Mm -hmm. all on the same page and if they don't then hopefully your team culture is strong enough that the peers Mm -hmm. take over and i think maybe it's effective if you can get that individual or individuals in leadership roles where now you know they're in a position to um you know be a leader and you know some days it just you know that individual just uh is you know not ready to um to, to be in the role they are and it doesn't work out but but again i think you do everything you can to try to get them. And, and if not, then they normally just take care of themselves, you know, by by not being a part of the program.
0: Right. All right, well, looking at the next one is confidence and poise, um, which really kind of goes along with what you are saying. I mean, you're trying to build confidence within your organization. You're trying to build that poise. Um, that also has a lot to do with the self-control we were talking about earlier. But being able to be confident and poised um, those those people under your leadership are going to feed off of you. So, how, what do you think is important about those two characteristics?
2: Well, you go to confidence. You hopefully do you know pretty well in these things that are below, and then at some point in time, then you you become confident as a leader, and you know with that confidence, then now you're pretty uh, pretty sure about what you're doing, and then therefore, you know whatever it is, I as a player, or it doesn't matter if you're you're a landscaper, if you feel like you are very good at what you do, I mean, I think that comes off. And, I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes, you know, you jump into another topic, you know, what he does and his confidence level, and, and you see that and, and people want to be a part of that and, and jump on board with that. But I think confidence is a huge factor, not only you as a leader, but also for your kids and doing anything you can to make them confident, whether it's, you know, constantly shooting free throws in practice to be good at it, so therefore they get up, you know, to the line late in the game, they're confident they're going to make that shot. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. If you have not prepared...
2: It's hard to be confident. Now, you
1: may have somebody that, that shows some fake confidence, mm-hmm. but, but you can see through that. But if you have not prepared, whether it's skill level or the mental part of the game or coaching, then it's really hard to be confident because you're not confident in yourself. Right. Uh, then you talk about poise. I think there's no better example than what we saw this past weekend. Yes. If the Baltimore Ravens, had poise, they would probably be playing the 49ers because if you just look from whether it's um, the personal fouls, you know, penalty—I mean, just one right after another—and um, and if you know whether it's NFL, high school, um, if you can't, you know, they it talks in here about fighting yourself. Well, you know, if if. if you're not in a position to be able to control those emotions, and not only does it hurt you, but in that case, it hurt their entire team
0: I agree and and I think we can talk about competitive greatness, which is at the top of the pyramid, and when we can talk about that we can we can also talk about how you know this is be at your best when your best is needed and that's how he kind of sums that up and of course, you enjoy the difficult challenge, like bring it on, and I think that's another um, example of what the Chiefs accomplished. They had some challenges. They had some adversity, if you will. They're, they've had some different things that they've had to overcome. But that competitive greatness, when it counts, um, they they brought it to the table.
1: Well, I think if you talk about the Chiefs, you know, they had some difficult times. Now, some teams, you know, up to their standards. Mm-hmm. But I think that that you give a lot of credit to that organization, whether it's the owner, the general manager, Coach Reed, is they never lost the locker room. Mm-hmm. And they had the leaders, uh, you, know, that they, you know, at times they showed their frustration, but that's what, you know, competitors do. But then they were able, they always said the right things. They didn't throw people under the bus. It goes back to loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, when you, you look there, um, and then the, the, the great ones not only are great themselves, but they make their teammates better. And I think that's a true example of of, uh, of a great player.
0: Yeah, I agree.
2: And because we've all heard, we've heard the term front runners, you know, anybody you know, well, not anybody, but lots of people are are good, you know, when you're out there in front and are, or you're ahead or this and that. But it's the, you know, they'll say the cream rises to the top when you're behind or your back's against the wall, and that's when I think greatness then, you know, comes out. And I think again going back to the Chiefs, I think you know they haven't been the front runners this year, you know, they've been the underdogs, you know, like in the playoffs, but. You know what? They just kind of take care of business, and, and like I said with Andy Reid, I mean it, it's just it's just leadership, and you can just tell. You know, look at you're talking about your coaching, you know, uh, tree. You know, obviously look at Andy Reid's, and I think that you know was a is a prime example of a person that's a, a phenomenal leader.
1: You know, when the lights get the brightest, you know, mm-hmm. who can perform, and right. you know that's that's who uh, end that's up that competitive uh, greatness.
0: Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's a great point. Um, well, if you look at the pyramid, he also has some different intangibles on the side to help you climb that pyramid. And I think as we talk about climbing the pyramid, it's important to understand that sometimes you're going to have to go back and work on some of the other skills. You might you might acquire those skills in certain situations, and you climb the pyramid, and you're getting to that competitive greatness, but then you might have to go back down and work on something that's through this pyramid. And he talks about ambition, adaptability, uh, being resourceful, um, having that fight in you, integrity, reliability, honesty, and sincerity. Um, and I think those intangibles, you know, ingrained in your climb for the pyramid is, is really important. But one of the things that really stands out to me is that adaptability and being able to be flexible, knowing that it is a fluid pyramid, if you will.
1: Well... And I look here also ambition. Mm, yes. And I think whether it's in the, uh, the business world or in education, coaching, athletic directorship, I know as a young coach I had the ambition to, you know, to move up to the highest level I could. And I probably didn't enjoy the process as much as, as looking back at it that, uh, you know, stop and smell the roses and uh, enjoy the time where you are. Because the grass is not always greener, you know, on the other side of the fence. So enjoy where you are now. If you have ambitions to, you know, if you're a teacher and you want to be a principal or you're a principal and you want to be a superintendent, great. Work on that, uh, but enjoy the journey. I think that's important.
0: Makes a big difference. That's well said. Well said.
2: Well, one of them jumping out at me is sincerity. You know, you've got to be who you are. You know, I've said numerous times, you know, you can't be Bobby Knight if you're not Bobby Knight. You know, you've got to be you know who you are, and and whatever your personality is, you know, it's not going to change now that you're all of a sudden you know coaching a game. It should be your personality, you know, from the time you get up to the time you go to bed, and and, uh, and I think that's you know hugely important. Uh, you know, going back to the ambition that you mentioned, coach, you know, something else that us as leaders have to you know try to get our uh, our team to understand is you know. The grass isn't always greener on the other side, but also you got to put in the work. I mean, I know, I'm sure you've done the same, and we put in a lot of time, a lot of hours doing things that maybe wasn't fun or whatever, but you knew you was going to do that. And I volunteered, you know, coaching for numerous years, not get paid a penny, but I knew at some point in time that that was going to pay off. Um, think how many nights in the gym that you'd spend scouting or watching teams, and and uh, you know, that's kind of a thing of the past anymore with Huddle. But, you know, you've got to go above and beyond. you got to be ambitious and – set those goals and do whatever it takes to reach those goals. If you really, again, want to go back to the top, be, you know, I wouldn't say I'm great by any means whatsoever, but I'm going to continue to try to work hard to achieve greatness at some point in time, hopefully.
1: Well, you mentioned about scouting. I always felt that if I was not in the gym and got to see a team live at least once or twice, then, then I was letting our kids down yeah. because we weren't going to be as prepared as, as we could have been. And, uh, you know, you're right now that coaches don't have to go out as much, and good for them and good for their families. But uh, but but again I think that's where we as coaches um not the coaches aren't friends now, but that's where we would sit with opposing coaches and scout or we would go ride together or we'd go to coaching clinics together. Right. So you know, I think that's, that's one important. thing that we're maybe missing a little bit are the are the coaches and athletic directors, you know. Um that camaraderie but, that, yeah, that you have spend, yeah. spending more time And right. you know, I know times have, have changed too and yeah
0: driving miles to meet at a convenience store to, to hand off oh, a vhs tape <laughs> oh i, I
1: remember i remember the time that Dwayne Hyler uh wanted to borrow a tape from me and uh, so i it was on a sunday so i drove into uh to greenwood to get it and drove back and he was at mansfield i think at the time and i gave him the tape and a couple days later i said hey did that tape uh did that do you any good and he goes oh did it i said well well tell me he said well, he said, "I found out that uh, Barney's only got one shot, and and Aunt B can't go to her left." i to give him my eight hours of Andy Griffith instead <laughs> <at> of the, <laughs> at the, at the no. game film. So, uh, but those are things that, that you know, the funny stories that you you go back and and uh, you know, some of our best friends today are coaches that right. we, we coach yeah. against,
2: our athletic directors right. that uh, that we've come up uh, with.
0: There is
2: that is and uh, with that, definitely a bond. You know, you talk about you know coaches how much did you learn from watching other coaches coach oh you know i was i was lucky being at greenwood
1: that i could go down and watch coach spoon
0: right
1: or cheryl burnett or steve alford or barry henson or you know whoever right you there. know i was right there and um and then watching you know coaches coach and go gosh that's a that's a great play or how they handled situations so mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Coaches are the best thieves, right? Absolutely. steal a lot of things. And uh, I think that's a great compliment to a lot of the people. Well, I I definitely have have stolen things from you all over the years, and I appreciate um, what you all do for for a lot of the young athletes that you've had an impact on. Um, Coach Little didn't like – Playing against you, but all <laughs> and that's a compliment. That, yeah, <laughs> that's same, a compliment. In the coaches absolutely, world. you look
2: back, and we you did. Know? We had some battles. There were we, some coaches I loved yeah. playing against.
0: Yeah. Uh, you were not one of them, and that's probably the biggest well, compliment you. I can give you. And I, I really appreciate the way you handled your program. And thanks for being here tonight. Thank
2: you. Appreciate you.
0: And Coach Fisher, we've we've got, we go way back. I really appreciate you. I've always said you were one of my favorite mentors, and I appreciate everything that you have done. Um, and continue to do and and how you continue to mentor coaches and athletic directors. So thanks for being here tonight.
1: Thank you, Jenny.
0: That that was hard. I was awfully nice to him, (laughs) as I meant every word of it. Um, So I want to give you a little peek onto what's coming up next. We're going to continue this Effective Leaders um, series, and we have Nyla Millicent and Becky Oaks coming on next week. We're also going to celebrate Girls and women's in Day Sport. It's a national um, celebration, so we're going to do some things for that. Uh, then we're going to have some business leaders in the effective leadership. But on Valentine's Day, we've got a coaching couple coming in. We've got Mark and Jenny Talbert. So we have, um, a Logan Rogersville football coach. We have Nick's a girls basketball coach. We're going to talk about how that goes, uh, with their marriage. And so, um, remember, there's, there's always a desire to be effective, but the real effective leader knows how to take hard work. So in our post game talk, I'm going to remind you that there's going to be learning curves. Uh, there's, But how one embraces those curves and what they do about them, that's the difference between leaders and effective leaders. And that's how champions do it. I'm going to remind you as I do each and every week, be a good human and live your life like a champion. Live like a human champion. This is Jenny Hopkins, and this has been A Coach's Perspective.